who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And I'm losing my voice. I just got really distracted by your necklace. I really like it. Oh, it's cute, right? Where'd you get that? I got it at a store in the mall called Sedeca. In Burbank. Oh, the, I know that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Sedeca. I know that store. It's yeah, my, ne- my like, necklace says the future is female on it. It's super cute. Yeah, I, I love really it. Like I couldn't it. pass it up. I live in fear of losing it because I lose all jewelry. That's yeah. why I don't wear it. I was thinking about that today, how many nice, like, I lose diamonds, apparently. For yeah. Me. Like, not that I've had a bunch of diamonds, but I got, like, diamond earrings for my 16th birthday. Lost them. Yeah. I got, like, a gold chain with, like, a solitary diamond on it when I was younger, like, in high school. No idea where that is. I yeah. I I lost it, like, on a plane or something. I actually feel really bad because my parents got me a pair of diamond earrings whenever, like, beautiful diamond earrings. They're, like, like kind of dangly but solitaires on each uh-huh. side. And they got them for me when my dad officially adopted me, <gasps> like my like a- yeah. adoption present yeah. from like my my dad. And so I'm like, oh, that sucks. I have no idea where those yeah. are now. Those, that's kind of how mine are too. They're very like sentimental, sentimental things. I do have my very first diamond, which was super tiny, and then I have the one that I wear. I've got like a thumb ring that I've worn for like over ten years. That's got the smallest. Oh, I diamond. never even knew there was one in there. I know, right? Like it's just so tiny. Yeah, but... I can only ever keep track of this ring that I wear yeah. every day of my life. It's yeah, the... that's how I am. Oh my yeah. god, that's why I never take off my my grandma's wedding band. Yeah. But it has yeah. to be like like this necklace is not real yeah. gold or gold plated or anything. Right. So every time I take a shower, you have to take it off. Yeah, because yeah, it turns green, turn exactly. my chest green. All um, right, what should we start with today? We're doing a mini episode, guys. In case you didn't read the title of what you're listening to. So I know that there's really important stuff going on um, with Brett Kavanaugh's hearing and uh, and all of that. But I just have had a really crazy week with work and everything, and the holiday weekend, and haven't Sometimes really. Sometimes we need to do some episodes that are not right. Too I just couldn't get 
my brain into it this week. But I do have some things that are kind of interesting. This one is less of a story story and more of kind of just some cool stuff that California has been doing in the last couple of weeks, they've passed some really cool legislature, oh, tell which me is about really it. interesting. And anytime I can brag on California, I do because I get weirdly defensive. The number of times I've heard people like bitch about LA, I'm like, you don't get to bitch about LA because you yeah. don't live here. I I get to bitch about LA. I feel like it's the opposite. Like people that don't live in LA are like, oh my god, you live in. Cali. Oh, God, no. I never, I never get that. I always get, like, people being like, L.A. people are the worst. L.A. is terrible. Um, And so I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you guys, because we're doing some stuff right. Mm -hmm. All right. So California passed a significant amount of legislation in the last week or so. They passed, or we passed, a trio of what I would think are common sense Gun laws, gun control laws, but apparently not since it's taken this long for this to happen. So uh, one of them is a lifetime ban on owning a firearm if you've been convicted of domestic violence. Yes. Which we've been pushing for. I know like uh, when we went to the March for Our Lives, it was a big topic uh, that every town brought up was a a really big thing that they were trying to get pushed through. Yeah. Makes sense since a lot of shooters have a history of domestic violence. It's kind of an escalating behavior, so right. that's fantastic. Good. There's a lifetime ban on people who have been placed on involuntary psychiatric holds twice in one year. That's amazing. Yeah, so there were already, on both of these things, for for this and for domestic abusers, California already had stricter than regular which is really sad, Mm -hmm. regulations on that, but there was a time limit. Like, it would be for, like, a couple of years you couldn't buy a firearm. But domestic abusers don't magically get better after a couple of years. So a lifetime ban seems appropriate. Yeah. And then they also put a new standard for those trying to contain a concealed weapon permit. So you need, like, they just put a bunch of new things in place if you're trying to get a concealed weapon permit, which already was really hard to do in... California. So uh-huh. it's like eight hours of training. Okay. And they've just made it more difficult. Like there's yeah. a lot more hoops you have to jump through, which again seems like common sense. Makes sense. To get yeah. a firearm. So exactly. hooray for that. Most likely Governor Jerry Brown will sign those into law here soon. Lovely. Um, another bill has passed. I thought you would find this interesting. Another bill has passed for intersex children. Oh. Oh, I read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not an outright ban on yeah. corrective surgery, but it's basically because a lot of parents of children with ambiguous genitalia yeah. will um, elect to have a procedure to quote unquote correct yeah. any of the ambiguity yeah. and basically decide which gender they're right. going to be. Which we've seen you yeah. know, is very problematic and can create a lot of damage later on for those children who are intersex, especially because a lot of times they don't even, their parents don't tell their kids. Yes. yes. Which is just really messed up. Yeah. Um, and so California, while they're not like out and out banning it, they are condemning the practice and considering it to be a violation of basic human rights. I love that. So that's going to take a long time, though. I feel like for the general public to understand. Yeah, but I because mean, because it's just been happening for so long. And I get it. And I get from a parent's perspective, them being like feeling like they're what they're trying to do is lessen the damage, right? Yeah. They're trying to just be like 
they don't want their kid to get made fun of. They don't yeah. want you go into like parent protection mode. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're taking away their agency completely. Exactly. Well, I read something too about like when they talk about circumcision or, you know, yes. things like that. Yeah. Where that's a big, big debate. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you can, if it's part of your like religion or if it's something that is like really strong in your beliefs, like I don't want to tell you no, you can't do it. Right. But at the same time, for me personally, like, I don't feel like I should be making that decision. For right. I mean, and, and so much of it has become culturally, like, for circumcision and actually probably for this, too. I mean, it's kind of still genital mutilation. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, and it's it's become a cultural thing rather than a religious practice in, in most that's cases. That's true. You know? That's a great, great thing. Yeah. Right, about the intersex. Surgeries. Yeah. The director for Interact, which is Advocates for Intersex Youth, says, for the very first time, a U.S. legislative body has affirmatively recognized that intersex children deserve dignity and the right to make decisions about mm-hmm. their own bodies, just like everybody else. Yep. So that's true. exciting. Well, and I hope it also it brings down the stigma a little bit because, you know, we always we hear about like hermaphrodites. Oh, right. And it's up. like scandalous. Oh, and, yeah. Like, very. Yeah. And, it, and it was the butt of a lot of jokes, I mm-hmm. feel like, yeah. especially in like early 2000s movies and TV shows and things like of that. Of course. Yeah. And um so I like that it's slowly becoming more talked about and normalized because there's nothing... It's like people make fun of you for it and it's no, there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Like Right. I mean, and yeah, it's just the way you were born, first yeah. of all. And secondly, we really have moved ahead as a society as far as like separating the sex that you were born with and your gender or what it says about you as a person. You know, we're really starting to kind of, like, separate these ideas as we move into more, like, gender-fluid society. I have so... I'm excited for when we do, like, a gender baby episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's something for me that, like, I'm very interested in. Yeah, it's kind of an... It's such a weird thing because... We have been so conditioned to be like, boy or girl, so exciting. Like, mm-hmm. what is it, you know? And I bought into that so hard. Oh, yeah. For, you know, growing up, of course. And again, I totally understand that it's coming from a place of, like, love and excitement. Of course. For having a child. But to me, I would feel uncomfortable having one. Like, I would rather just have a completely gender-neutral baby shower. That's yeah. just like, you know, I'm excited right. to be having a child. Yeah. You know? And exactly. Not- Kind yep. of separating it from I'm that. very excited for us in the future to be speaking more about that. Totes. Totes my goats. Uh, mine's super positive. Do you have anything else that's more on the serious side? Um, mine is kind of both. It's okay. kind of both. Okay. Okay, so this is kind of both because while the initial intent was bad, I think the reaction to it is good and has started a really good conversation. Sweet. So Jeffrey Owens, who played Elvin on The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. So he was, like, kind of a side character, but regular, regularly on the Elvin. show. Um, I'll show you a picture later. You'll, you might recognize him. I definitely recognized him whenever yeah, I Yeah, I loved The Cosby Show. So he was shamed because he now, while he still works as an actor, yeah. he also works at Trader Joe's. Oh. And someone who works at Trader Joe's with him took a oh, picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um 
they took a picture of him yeah. in his Trader Joe's uniform and basically tried to shame him on the internet. Right, they're by like, being oh, like, he's a has-been, or he's like... Right, like somehow it was pathetic for him to have this Trader Joe's job. Right. So while that person is human trash and trying to um, shame him, yeah. the internet came out in like full force support for I him. I see that, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. He went on the news. He went on the news in his Trader Joe's name tag Love and, it. and his Yale hat. Love it. And told, like, because he went to Yale. Like, this yeah. isn't somebody who. Well, no matter, it doesn't matter. Actually, none of that matters. Yeah, no, it doesn't, but it's still, but it's like, look at, I can be all of these things. I can be someone who went to Yale and is a working actor and work at Trader Joe's. You can be all of those things. At well, once. and I really want to highlight to people. How, because this is one of my biggest pet peeves of my life, is people trying to shame labor jobs. Oh, yeah. It makes me insane. Because yeah. also, I'm sorry, do you shop at Trader Joe's? Because if you do, then you have no right. If you patronize a business, it's the same way I feel about sex work. I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, with, with men who watch porn, for instance, or women who watch porn, and then shame porn actors. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you cannot patronize a business Mm -hmm. and then disparage the people who work at that business. You cannot go get your McDonald's and then hate on an employee who hands you your McChicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, because... You need that employee. They are doing a service. you're not going to get your McDonald's. Yeah, they're doing a service for you. And... We have done this whole thing where we think that if you're college educated and you have this that this certain kind of education that you are going to be better off. And that's not the case. No. Our market is flooded with yeah. college graduates and it's not necessarily going to make you any better than yeah. anybody else. We need to be accepting these labor jobs, encouraging our our high school youth to look into jobs that aren't necessarily high level business jobs because well and then in turn that these labor jobs jobs need to be have better pay and right. better benefits there's other things that go but along you know with what it. there's a lot of labor jobs that do pay well if there you're are. if I you're mean, in starbucks, construction starbucks like if you are in it for the long haul like they will like take care of you well i mean and trader joe's too like he yeah. was saying like he got this job because he he still wanted to be an actor he didn't yeah. want to get out of the game like so many of us yeah we understand that yeah he didn't want to get out of the acting game but and the jobs are coming a little at a time but they're not flooding in so he needed to do something that allowed him flexibility Uh to be able to work as an actor but also had a steady paycheck had a steady paycheck and had and had medical yep and trader joe's had that yep and so he had this really awesome uh quote where he said there is no job that's better than another job it might pay better it might have better benefits it might look better on a resume and on paper but actually it's not better every job is worthwhile and valuable no one should feel sorry for me i've had a great life i've had a great career i've had a career that most actors would die for amen so no <laughs> one has to feel sorry for me i'm doing fine i yep I, I love that because it makes me insane that when I was growing up, so many people were being pushed by their parents to go to college when they weren't ready. Yeah. So you're going into massive, massive debt, having yeah. to make a decision for the rest of your life about what you want to do wanna with do. your life at 18 when you're not ready to do it. Yeah. And 
maybe you just wanted to drive a truck, man. Like, maybe you well, just wanted to cut hair. Yeah, I mean, it's That's interesting. That's all fine. It's interesting because, like, my parents, neither of them are college educated, and my dad just kind of worked his way into, like, a high-level job. My mom owned her own business for a long time, and then when I was young, started helping out at my school, and then became a lunch lady. And I had a friend who... Uh, would not hang out with me anymore because I wasn't smart enough for her and my mom was a lunch lady. And we liked to go to thrift stores. Like, she, like, straight up... There's so much dignity in all of these. I don't understand. Like, you can't... And these are the same people who are going to shame people for being on welfare. And it's like, okay, but if these are the jobs they can get, you can't can't shame everybody who's not college-educated or working a... Or working and there are a high paying job. College educated who are on welfare. Like you also can't, that too, because yeah, very our, smart and educated. I feel like people. this mentality where we have this like weird caste system yeah. has totally fucked our economy. Yeah. Because we are running out it's we're actually in a crisis for labor jobs right yeah. now because no young person wants to take a labor job. Well, and it's also just one of those things where it's like if that job makes somebody happy and fulfills them, like or serves being their purpose. in food service did my mom. That was her love. She loved it. She loved serving kids, and she did Meals on Wheels for elderly yeah. people. Like, that to her, it just fulfilled her so much. Or even if so it doesn't... So to hear somebody say something that was negative about that, like, I always really, like... Like, my mom was the cool lunch lady. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go in the back and get some extra food. Like, to me, it was cool, and it was awesome. So to hear somebody say something so horrible and not be my friend because Well, you know they it, got that from their parents. Oh, they did. They definitely yeah. did. But it was frustrating because it's like... Like you said, one job is not better than the other. This is something my mom loved to do. We should be celebrating that and not putting and it And you know what? All all work is valuable. That's exactly yeah. what he was saying. Like, all work is valuable. It all has value. And sometimes it's not even about loving it, although he seems to have enjoyed his time at Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. It's not always about loving your job. Like, sometimes it is about serving a purpose. Yeah. And for him, this job served a purpose that allowed him to be able to do the thing that he loved yeah. to do, which is go on auditions, yeah. you know? Well, so, suck it person that tried to make him feel bad. Yeah, because Joke's now, yeah, it totally turned around. And I saw that, like, Tyler Perry offered him a job. and Yeah, and, he, like and he said something really nice in that interview, too, where he was like, I don't want anyone to give me a job from this because I feel like I haven't earned it. But if you yeah. want to give me an audition, I'll happily show up to that audition and earn right, that job. Exactly. Like so, I hear you. So we love you, Jeffrey. Love Love it. Okay, this is the most Madigan story I'm ever going to tell. Are you ready? I am ready. That is a high bar. To set, I feel like. <laughs> no, this is the most Madigan thing I'm ever going to talk about okay, on okay, this okay. podcast. And I'll probably continually talk about this subject. A missing pair of ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz were recovered by the FBI. You have mentioned this before that these slippers were missing yes. on this podcast. And I now they so. and now they have been found. They have been found. They've been missing since 2005. Mhm. So, and they are missing from the Judy they were missing from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota that How I would go to as a kid. Were they still It was a smash and grab. So they're not giving any details yet. Like this they, they just got them back and like it's still like the FBI, like multi-state, like they were looking in San Diego, Missouri, Minnesota. Are they real rubies? No, they're not. Or they're just the rubies. They're the, sequins. They're the ones they're from the... They're the ones from the movie. The movie, okay. So, yeah, the ones from the movie are made um, with satin and then sewn sequins on them. Okay, okay. Like, they're not... It's not rubies. I always feel like... Okay, a couple things about this. One... Seems like it would be really hard to steal from a museum. I always feel that way. I'm like, This is not a typical museum, though. It's, like, open? It's 
it's her house. Okay. It's her old house. So what I think probably happened is that it was such a quick move. I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't better security for those shoes because they are worth a million dollars. Well, I mean, and they're yeah, for a million dollars. Here's the thing. Yeah, that also they're they're expensive. But then too, I'm like, what's your goal here? Because well, are you that's trying the thing to- is that they they don't. They're going to find out the motive. I'm sure they already know a lot of this stuff and aren't sharing it with Because you're not trying to yet. wear them. Because everyone back then had, like, feet that were, like, two inches long. Have you long. seen Judy Garland's feet at, at are um, they t- the Chinese are, theater? No, the are they teensy slippers? tiny? They're, they're the size of my hand. Yeah, if you go... Okay, listeners. If you are ever in L.A. and you go to the Chinese theater and you look at these things... Like, Mary Pickford was the first person to yep. put her feet in that... Teeny. Tiny. They're, like... Four inches long, I'm not even yeah, kidding. Yeah, they're really they're tiny. They're so small. They're really tiny. No, I think it's for notoriety. It's why does anybody steal anything? It's well, notoriety. It's getting the reward money. Because you could resell it's... it. You know what I mean? But the only but way no, you could... But no, if they resold them, then exactly. everybody would know. But no, I think you it's could do really it on the black. You could do it on the black market. That's what people do with That's like true. high paint, with like really expensive paintings. If they manage yeah. to do like a... Uh, they break into the Met and they still like a, yeah. a, a painting, they sell it on the black market to a, a buyer who's like super rich who just wants to have it in their house, but right. that doesn't sound like... No, I think this was more so for notoriety. Okay. Um, I mean, we don't know yet. I, You know, guys, to be continued, obviously. We'll so, be updating you, I'm yeah. sure. So the shoes were recovered during an undercover operation in Minneapolis after a year-long investigation following a tip from the Grand Rapids police that they received last summer. The FBI got involved when it was clear that it would have to cross state lines. This, the tipster called the company it was insured from, saying he could, that he had, quote, information about the shoes and how they could be returned. Okay. Which to me seems like it's probably. Did that you person, take the right? shoe? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So according to the FBI, it became apparent that that those involved were in reality attempting to extort the owners of the slippers. So who actually owns them? Like, uh, this guy. Where is it? Michael Shaw. The shoes belong to a man named Michael Shaw, who loaned them to the museum for a ten-week period in two thousand five. Um, do you know how pissed I would be if I loaned my most valuable possession yeah. to a museum and they yeah. lost it? I'm like, he said, you had one job. Yeah, he said to the Duluth News Tribune. I, sorry, guys, if I'm talking funny tonight, I've been stumbling over my words all day. Me too. I feel like I have okay. marbles in my mouth. It's just weird. Uh, so Shaw told Duluth News Tribune at the time that they that of the theft that it was his worst nightmare. Yeah, like, you trusted real. them. I mean, people ask me that all the time. Like, what would you do if you had the ruby slippers? I I've even said I'm like I would put them in a museum or I would put them in my house and I would never touch them. I would just look at them. Yeah, and probably even then, cry. I, I would probably cry. You know, here's the thing. I don't think I ever want to own anything that no. expensive because I or that like um, not expensive. Clearly, we lose diamonds, Keegan. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> truly. How do we start this the, episode? The last people who should have anything <laughs> of that kind of like, um, but yeah, not even that it's expensive, but it's so meaningful because to me, I am never going. I would be paranoid for the rest of my life. I'd be so worried yeah. that those they, they I would, would never stolen. leave my house. Yeah. So, in 2015, on the 10-year anniversary of the theft, an anonymous fan offered a $1 million reward for the return of the slippers. So, this is one of the problems. So, through the years, people have 
contacted the FBI saying, we found the shoes, and it's really, like, the other shoes. Because there was a bunch of them. It's not like it's one pair. And um, are they all worth one million? They're all worth, yeah. I think they're, they're all, were they all worth worn? the same. Yeah. Okay. Or at least, as like, worn at some point. Mm-hmm. Or made, I mean, at, literally, even if they weren't actually worn by Judy Garland, but they were made by these people. Like, it's right. still a huge part of mm-hmm. history, you know? So, there were so many replicas that they had to, like... Uh, compare them to all the other ruby slippers to make sure that they were legit and that they were the actual ones. So they actually looked at shoes from the Smithsonian to see that it was the same because it says Judy Garland on the inside, right, yeah, the same material, made you know the same style, same way. And um, yeah, there's been a lot of like reproductions too that people have made. So like they could find these slippers and it could easily be somebody else's shoes that they Mm -hmm. made. Police Chief Johnson thanked the FBI, who, he said, worked relentlessly on the case and called the shoes an enduring symbol of power and belief. And for me, that's something that I feel like the movie is in general. Like, for me, like, that movie means so much more to me than just a movie. It symbolizes so much childhood belief and wonder and magic yeah so the reality of getting through really horrible things and then finding your way on the other side yeah and so the fact that this story is kind of becoming full circle is really wonderful for me um i've already gotten a few people sending me this article which makes me really happy that people i haven't seen in years still think of me they whenever they see anything the yeah has. that's sweet yeah so that was my exciting news story for the week and that was the only one i cared enough about to write down hooray <laughs> Oh, yeah. So definitely update us whenever we have more info. I will. I want to know about the motive. And me the, too. The theft I, that's, itself. That's always me. I want to know the ins and outs of this crime because yeah. that's a pretty big crime to pull off for that long. It's insane. Yeah. I actually did see uh, Ru- the Ruby Slippers and her costume a couple of years ago at the LACMA. Mm-hmm. They had a whole costume museum. And but not these Ruby Slippers. Not these. No. <laughs> I mean, we'd have to check. No, but they were put like inset in a wall. With like heavy duty glass and they were lit and it was really nice and then but the, oh yeah and LA museums don't fuck around with no, security. But some of the costumes too, well yeah, security. But like they were, they were just velvet ropes sometimes. Yeah, I mean yeah. Whenever I went to the Broad, which if you're ever in LA, go to the Broad. It's the bet. Like it's an art museum. It's like a, a modern art museum. It's mm-hmm. so cool. But when I was there, there was a lot of exhibits that were kind of like open. Like, you could touch them, but then, yeah, there's, like, three people at every... Yeah, there are people everywhere. I saw her costume. It was just, it was just out. It wasn't encased in anything, and it was there, and it was the most amazing thing that I think I've ever experienced in my entire (laughs) life. I will never forget it. Do you have a panic attack? Do you have a hyperventilator? I didn't. I just started crying. I just (laughs) sat down, and I literally stared at it and wanted to, like, memorize every detail that I could see, because I've read about the costumes, and I know so much about it, and I just wanted to look at everything and understand it and Chris took us I think for like our second anniversary or something like that and it was like the best the best thing ever that's nice yeah it was great he just like walked around did his thing I just sat there for I think probably a half an hour he's like I'm gonna leave you alone yeah he just like looked at the other costumes <laughs> take some time stuff. but that was all I I mean it was cool to see all the other costumes but for me like that was the one that I really yeah. cared the most about yeah and it was it was a truly like a religious experience for me. It was amazing. Well, maybe now you get to see these ones sometime soon. <laughs> Not that I'll, I would love to go back to the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids one day, but those shoes are never going to go back there. Oh God, no! That if I was <laughs> that guy, never out of my sight again. Are yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, those are getting locked in a vault. I won't yeah, even see no those shoes. Yeah, no kidding. 
All right. Should we read some Sister Solidarity stories? I think we should, yes. We could probably even read two, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. The title of this email is Sister Solidarity Story, Sort of. Hi, Keegan and Madigan. First off, you ladies are amazing. Stop. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) End of email. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and we're done here. Good night. (laughs) You both are so genuine, and I'm thankful for the real talk. I've never been a podcast listener, but when this came up on my Spotify list, I couldn't resist. I've been hooked since the beginning of February 2018. I'm a runner, and I love listening during my long runs because the more you talk about different feminist issues, the more heated I get and the faster I run. I should try something like that. Right? Yeah, maybe it it's would like motivate me to actually work out. Something to, like, piss you off. I signed up for Cardio Bar today. Ooh, oh my god, you're gonna die. I know I'm gonna die, but I'm really excited. It, it's fun, but you will also die. Okay. I'm excited to die. Okay. My boyfriend and I have known each other for about eight years now. We went to college together at a Christian university in Michigan, but didn't start dating until two years ago. Mm-hmm. We both grew up in a conservative Christian home and never questioned the morals or beliefs within it. A couple years before we started dating, I solidified my feminist stance and really started my own beliefs. I developed a strong understanding of feminism, why it was important, and how I could live it out with my Christian faith. Not easily done when you look at who claims Christianity in the news. It is not easily done. Not easy at all. When Cody and I started dating, it became really clear to him that feminism was important to me, and we had a lot of deep discussions surrounding the topic. It became even more clear that he was not a fan. Don't Uh worry. Don't worry. This is the happy story. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) He would put his foot in his mouth a lot and say things that I was not okay with. Then we would talk about why it wasn't okay to say that. His response were usually something like, I don't understand why that is a feminist issue, or why can't we call it gender equality if it's not about pushing men down? We ne- he never asked me with anger or frustration, but more confusion. He had only heard of feminism in the bra-burning, man-hating way. Man-hating feminism is not feminism. Yeah, but I, I totally get that. Cause that's no, totally, I get it too. I just thought it sounds like Cody grew up in a similar household as me, and that is, yeah. that is how it was framed. Yeah. yeah. Did she say his name? Didn't she? Or did I just make that up? Oh, no, you're right. Okay. No. Okay. Fast forward about six months into our relationship, and we were head over heels in love. Unnecessary detail, but what can I say? I love him. Girl, I feel you. (laughs) He had just come home from a weekend at his friend Tyler's house. Tyler is married, and he and his wife are definitely on the right side of the political spectrum, and were brought up similar to the way we were at home. Wonderful people that I just don't agree with on some things. The first thing that Cody said to me when I asked him how his weekend turned out, he was like... We had to talk about feminism, and I explained to them what it meant to be a feminist. I think that means I am one, too. Aw, yay! That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. My heart burst with love, and I could hardly contain myself. Cody doesn't claim to know everything. He often admits he's wrong, as do I. But to hear him finally start to understand this huge part of my life was the most memorable moment in our relationship. He still says the wrong things sometimes, and he isn't always sensitive when it comes to feminist issues. But he is learning, open, and honest, and that means more to me than anything. That is so beautiful. It is. I love that. The biggest lesson I took away was this. It may take some time, but have compassion with people who don't get it, feminism, right away. It won't be easy for society to change their patriarchal views, but keep talking about those issues with empathy and kindness, and we will continue to empower others through that. I know this was long, but I've been waiting to, I've been wanting to tell this story for a while now. Yay. 
Feel free to share any and all of this with names. I've already changed them. There you go. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> and with that, I encourage you ladies to rage on. Awesome. I love that story because it says sister solidarity, sort of, but I think that's incredibly a sister solidarity story in the, in the like, way that we mean it. Yeah. Where, you know, we are all for men being feminists and learning more about women's issues and feminist issues. So well, I think it's just being a human... Like, at this point, I'm just like... We call it feminism, yes, because it's not mainstream in our in our society, yeah. in our culture. But like, it should just it's be just basic being a human sense. being. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like be, having empathy. That's truly what it is. It's just like having empathy for everybody and everybody's struggles yeah. and wanting everyone to feel equal and comfortable. Yeah, but I think it's something for men, even in this day and age, that they shy away from or of feel like it's not for them yeah. or don't understand. So the fact that he, you know, says the wrong thing and puts his foot in his mouth, I mean, most men in my life do that. And I will, you know, sometimes, you know, when it's appropriate or if I feel close to that person and I don't want to, like, you know, I'm not going to be at a party and be like, fuck you! And, like, start no, having mean, a feminist rant, but... I think that's exactly... I mean, to her point, to our, our listeners' point, I think that that's exactly the point. Is yeah. Because I think people on both sides, including within the feminism spectrum, or people yeah. who claim feminism, or people who are progressives or on the left, I think sometimes the urge is to just be reactionary. Yeah. And when it's better to do it in more of like a contained setting, have a real meaningful conversation and have a back and forth with that person instead of spewing it at them. And and do understand that while you do not have to take on the emotional labor of educating anybody, Mm -mm. um, you can also, even if you don't want to deal with it and you don't want to educate them, also just understand that different people grew up differently. I see yeah. it a lot here where people grew up in such a progressive bubble that they don't understand that li- truly, truly people who grew up conservative in the Midwest, yeah. it's going to take them longer yeah. to undo. And, and also that it doesn't make them bad people. No. That they think differently. Right. I mean, it, it might take a them very- protective yeah yeah and also i like the fact that she's okay with him making mistakes and learning and learning because he's shown a willingness to learn exactly that's what i was gonna say that he's willing to learn i think is really amazing so yeah congrats to cody whatever your real name is yeah we majorly applaud you and congrats to monica for being such a great girlfriend and uh sharing your passions with somebody even when they don't necessarily agree with them right away yeah thanks thanks for writing in we appreciate it All right, we got one more here. Okay, thank you. Hello, Madigan and Keegan. I wanted to share my sister solidarity story with you. I've been in the Navy for over six years, and I can never forget my first real taste of shipboard life. I was a newbie and had just moved on to a new home. At the time, I was living on the boat while in port, and the berthing I was in was separated from the bathroom by a creepy hallway. Mm. Ooh. After a long day, I decided to wind down and take a rare warm shower. That's kind of hard to say. Rare warm shower. Rare warm shower. While showering, I noticed something odd. Someone was recording me (gasps) on their phone (gasps) from above the shower stall. Shut up. Shut up. After yelling profanities, I attempted to catch the woman, but she was too fast and escaped into the creepy hallway filled with men. Oh, Oh, my God. On the edge of my seat, I'm sweating right now. Um, What's worse is the woman in the bathroom just stared at me like I was insane and told me it was unfortunate. 
What? Wait, what wasn't the fact that she happened to be in the shower while I'm, she was... I'm wondering if this is another woman who was in the bathroom that was just like, sorry. Oh. I don't know. Um, when, this is the opposite of sister solidarity. This, I, I have a feeling it's going to turn around. Okay, it's I got to turn around. I hope. Um, when I got up in the morning, I told one of the girls I worked with. She was amazing. There you go. <gasps> she investigated all the women we lived and marched uh, lived with and marched me down to the security office to report it. I was new and in a foreign country away from everyone I knew. She took me in and made sure that everyone that needed to know what happened knew. Yeah. She was the exact person I needed at that time. Yes. After everything she did, no one really cared about what happened. Ugh. I'm sure my report ended up in the trash because I didn't even get a follow-up to make sure I was fine. Oh my God. It's really awful to think that this hasn't just happened to me and that situations like this are taken so lightly in the place you work, sleep, and eat in. God, awful. What is good is that I've had the pleasure of meeting so many strong, wonderful women in the military, and they've made all the terrible situations livable. I also want to add that I'm currently working with all men, and your podcast is my after-work cleanse. (laughs) I would also like to remain anonymous, forever raging. Oh, honey. Like, listen, I think we need to have an entire episode about the... I come from a military family. Yeah. And I was in Navy ROTC. I went to boot camp. I did all of that stuff. Um, and I know how much of like a boys club culture it can be. Well, that's what's so fucked up is that she says it was a woman who was doing it. And it's right, so... but women are so pressured in that environment to be exactly, part of the boys club. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you don't know what, for me, I would be so scared of what was going to happen with that video or whatever she did because we know from the culture that we've grown up in that when you see a video of a naked girl in the shower we're shaming that person not the person who took the video you know what i mean and like to me that's just like the scariest part of it right um definitely and also what's really scary and sad and i hope changes sometime soon but who knows if it will honestly something that you and I should do similar to what we did with the red pill is watch there's a movie called um, gosh I can't remember it's not the hunting ground because that's the one about the sexual assaults on campus Mm. but there is a documentary all about sexual assaults that happen in the military let's do it because so often because of the way the military is structured where you have to go up a chain of command yeah rather than going to police or whatever they will just crush it like yeah, they'll, they'll just throw it bury away it. And it's done. Yeah, 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 and it's done. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad that in the midst of all of that, at least you had one ray of kindness and empathy yeah. and somebody who could be there for you through yeah. something so sensitive and difficult. Um, I'm really, really sorry that happened to you, and Me I'm too. really sorry that the reaction was bad. I know. I know how tough that can be. I have a lot of female family members who were in the military, and it's not easy. It is not easy to be a woman in the military. So, yeah. So we totally like appreciate you writing in. And I just feel incredibly honored that we would be your your cleanse. Yeah, that made me feel really good. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. King Um, N. Yes. We did it. We did it. I'm did very hot and sweaty in here. I feel surprisingly okay. Maybe because you have a fucking robe right now. I know, you. I know, but you see, and I, you're in pants. I oscillate between, these are the thinnest pants ever, but I oscillate between being like too cold and too hot at all times. I've recently learned to love the word oscillate. Oscillating? I just really like it. I think it's because I watched the, um, the Netflix special Elder Millennial with, I think it's Eliza. Oh, she was, yeah. She was like the oscillating, like baby leg. 
Oh, she's like, I haven't watched she, that one. Oh, it's so funny. She's I don't so really, hit or miss for me. Yeah, her earlier stuff, I'm like, meh. But this recent one is, it's great. All right, me and Chris watched it. I'll both, watch it. Yeah. I love comedy. It. I love yeah. comedy stand-up specials, so I'm in. Just not Louis C.K. comedy specials. No. <laughs> I'm, he ruined it. He, he ruined, ruined it. it. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to the two women who wrote into us. Please send us more. It yeah, really, these were really great stories. I loved getting them. Thank you. Incredible stories. If you've been thinking about something to send in and you haven't yet, like this is your time. Yeah. Just send it in. Your even time if, is now. Your time is now. Even if you like, don't ju- don't judge yourself because I know I do that too. I'm like, oh, my story is not good enough, or what I have to say isn't good enough. Just send us something. We're gonna love it and we're gonna want to talk about it. Yeah, and if you. Um, if you want to remain anonymous, of course, just put that in the yes. the email that you want to remain anonymous, and we we never really reveal names unless it's specifically signed. Yes, you and know. we go through editing, and if we realize that we slipped on something, we always fix it. So if you're worried about staying anonymous, do not worry at all. You are in good hands. Um, I want to remind you guys that your rates and reviews on iTunes are always really appreciated. We do reviews day Tuesday every Tuesday. Uh, where we kind of put a different review in the spotlight, and it really, really helps us out business-wise. I want to remind you guys again to listen on Radio Public, because that helps us out a lot as well. Yes, yes. Um, Other than that, if you want to email us a story, our email is neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com, or you can send it to us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a group and a business page. Um, what am I missing? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Yanf Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really been trying to get better about it. I'm hit or miss, but I'm trying. What else? I think that's it. I think, I think we it covered too. all our bases. Yeah. This was a very productive What's in the News episode. We it just was. got right to it. Really yeah. was. I'm proud of us, Me Megan. too. We did good. We did it. All right, you guys. And with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.